Oh, it was awesome. And we do appreciate your prayers. If you'd turn to Matthew chapter 28, we're going to be there in just a minute. Matthew chapter 28. I'm uh, Pastor Ken Livingston, and it is a privilege to uh, speak to you this morning. If I were to continue with our recap, uh, I could be here at least a couple hours. And I was already reminded when I came in this morning that uh, the game's at what time? Two. Yeah, so we'll be all right. But I see a lot of red in here. And uh, I know you're excited, but I hope just for the next little bit that you can really turn your attention to the Lord. And he was moving, and it was so awesome. And I, um, by the way, thanks, Seth, for putting that video together. Thank you, praise team, for leading us to this point this morning. And I also just want to say um, that this week when I got back, um, it's so cool to see so many of you. You know, Seth did a lot of extra work, and and the praise team always blesses us. And Wednesday night, there's a group that cooks for us, and there's teachers and, you know, assistants all over this church. But this last week, I really noticed there was a lot of people doing facilities things and people in here cleaning. And so I just want you to know, man, you're appreciated. Thank you so much for serving and jumping in. We have, some, yeah, thank you for everybody who jumps in. And um, <clears throat> we appreciate you so much. And uh, as Seth mentioned right at the end of that, uh, I just want to thank you, church family, for praying for us and helping us and supporting us and encouraging us. And the Lord moved in Ecuador, Ecuador just in, in an amazing way, and he is always faithful. Amen. Um, <clears throat> but Matthew, uh, before we get to Matthew 28, I just want to read a couple verses in Matthew chapter 9. It says in verse 37, then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant or plentiful but the workers are few. Therefore, and then it doesn't say, so start making a plan and build a you know, program and all that. It says, therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. And I do want to acknowledge that we did have a prayer team. I know a lot of you prayed. Uh, you know, a lot of things went on right before we were getting ready to leave. Uh, literally the week we were getting ready to start packing and everything, there was a lot of things going on in Ecuador. And there was a lot of violence going on. And so we met and we prayed and we talked and we discussed and we watched the news and we kept asking God, you know, what is his plan? And not only was there a lot of things going on in Ecuador, but there was things going on in some of our team's families and there was health things that popped up. And so we intentionally, uh, those of us who went, we intentionally were so blessed by, uh, by Richard and Donna and Jolene who stayed back and, and prayed for us and this, the, those verses I just read remind us, you know, the, the harvest is plentiful, so, so pray, right? Pray, and God softened hearts and went before us, and it was, it was amazing. So I'm so thankful for all of our team, those who went and those who stayed, and, and uh, for all of you who prayed. So uh, it was also mentioned 25 people prayed to trust in Christ while we were there which I don't, I don't know what I was anticipating, I don't, you know, but that was more than I was thinking, and it was cool. There's 25 souls in Ecuador right now that trusted in Christ. Their eternity is locked in. They're forgiven. They have a new purpose, and uh, we're going to pray that they continue to grow and are discipled, and that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, about discipleship. So I also want to say, as I do every Sunday when I get a chance to speak before you, 
is that I just want to remind you before we get going that you're loved. You are loved. You're loved by God. John 3.16 reminds us that God loved you so much that he sent his only son to live on the earth and to die on a cross to offer you forgiveness and salvation. And you're loved by us. And so we're glad that you're here. Wherever you are in here or watching online, uh, we love you and we're we're glad you're a part of the service today. So our verse in, uh, verses are in Matthew chapter 28. Uh, I took this from the back. Some of our team has their blue shirts on. And on the back of the shirts, it was kind of our inspiration to go is verses 19 and 20. And so I want to preach about that this morning. So here's what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 16. It says, The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. And when they saw Jesus... They worshiped, but some doubted. And Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for how... You are moving here, and you're moving in Ecuador, and it's just a reminder that you are a a big God that cares about the entire world, and thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending Jesus. I pray this morning, Lord, as we talk about uh, discipling people, and we kind of talk about what happened in Ecuador, that you would bless this time, that it would be a special appointment where your Holy Spirit would come and speak to each one of us where we need it. And some of us, Lord, need encouragement, and, uh, and some of us just need to re- be reminded of the hope we have in Christ, and some of us maybe need to be challenged a little bit to change a few things, and however you want to work, Lord, we just open ourselves up. May our, may our minds be open, and our ears be open, our eyes attentive to uh, everything that you have for us. And Father, would you just guide my words, and uh, through, my, through my nervousness, just speak with clarity, and may you be glorified and honored in all things. And we love you, Father. Thank you for this church that we can, um, this building that we can gather together as the church and just be unified, and uh, we see smiles, and we can hug, and, and we have so much in common. And so, Lord, draw us together and draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, the verses I just read uh, are called the Great Commission from Jesus. It's, uh, it reminds us that every single day you and I are to be sharing the gospel with people and making disciples, and that is our mission as Christians. It is a commission it's a, and a command. It's not optional for those of us who are believers. It's not called the Great Suggestion. It's called the Great Commission, right? It's a command. I was thinking like if I, when my kids were still in our home and I went to them and if I went to my son and I said, hey, listen, uh, maybe you should think about cleaning your room. And then he said, uh, no, thanks. Right. I couldn't get upset at him because it was a suggestion. And he said, no, you know, no, thanks. But I, don't, I never did that. I said, hey, son, go clean your room. And that's what it's a command. Amen. And that's what God calls us to do here. Go and make disciples. It's not a suggestion. We're not saved by Jesus Christ for salvation's sake and taken up to heaven immediately. 
um, when we trust in him. We're saved to disciple people, to share with others, to help others grow. And that's why we're going to talk about the Great Commission this morning. That's why it's necessary. There's a lot of statistics. You can do anything you want with statistics. Everybody knows that. But I did try to look up some, some statistics. And according to the 2021 census report that came out, 43.9, so a little less than 44% of people in the United States claim to be Christian. Less than 44%. Now, I can go find statistics that say back in 2009, 77% said they claim to be Christian. If, if those numbers are even close, we're seeing a dramatic decrease in the United States of people who claim to be uh, Christians. And Christianity is certainly declining and each year, more and more people decide to put their faith and trust in something besides Jesus for their hope. And that's pretty sad because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father. No one gets heaven, right? No one gets forgiveness except through Jesus. And so when people are putting their hope in something else, that's, that's not good. Uh, the percentage of 43.9% actually includes a lot of faiths that are probably not true believers anyway, and that includes a lot of people that uh, may even be in good churches but are not true followers of Jesus. For example, it may come as a surprise to you, but 56% of Missourians say they're evangelical Christians, 56%. Now that's what we'd say in Oklahoma, that's hogwash, because if that were true, if that were even close to being true, this place would be packed this morning, and so would every other church in St. Joe, right? But, but it's not. People are confused. And I could throw a bunch more numbers and confuse us all, you know, and, and that wouldn't do any good. But people are confused about what it really means to be a believer. Uh, as a matter of fact, in almost every group of people, you can find some that worship Jesus and some that doubt who he really is. And if I were to approach a random group uh, out at Walmart or something like that, and I say, hey, gather around, like, how many of you put trust in Jesus? Some would probably say yes, and then a lot of would say, eh, I'm not sure, or no thank you, right? And that's the same as uh, here in St. Joe and all around the country, and it's the same thing in Ecuador. We were able to share, uh, using the, the water filters, we were able to share with this group of people, and we asked, hey, who would like to trust in Jesus? And this particular time, one young man said, yes, I would. And we kind of looked over to his father and said, would you like to pray and trust in Christ today? And he said, no thanks, right? So it's like that all over. So look at back at verse 16, Matthew 28, 16. The 11 disciples, were, uh, why not 12? Well, because Judas is already out of the picture. And uh, they were traveling to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. Verse 17 and when they saw him, listen to this. This is a group of people following Jesus. And when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Some doubted. This morning, I want to ask you a simple question to start with. I'm going to ask you two questions, one at the end and one right now. And the one right now is simply this. Are you a follower of Jesus or a doubter? And I want you to really think about that. Are you a follower of Jesus or a, or a doubter. I'm talking about you, right? I, you could underline that you there because I want you. It's not, I'm not talking about your parents. I'm not talking about 
you know, your spouse. I'm not talking about grandma because grandma is a believer, but I'm talking about you. Are you a follower of Jesus or a doubter? Listen, are you a worshiper or are you still questioning and still kind of wondering, kind of doubting? Maybe, you know, I'm not sure, I'm not sure where I'm at. That's fine. Listen, if you're, if you're a doubter, I'm glad that you're here. I'd say, okay, thanks for being here. I want you to know that Jesus loves you and he's seeking a relationship with you even this morning. And if you're doubting, I want you to know that he wants to forgive you and cleanse you and uh, give you a purpose and, a, and, a, and guide you in your life. Uh, we wander away from him and we do things that we call that sin in the church. And he wants to forgive you of those things and redeem you. And he wants, uh, if you're a doubter, I want you to know that you're, I'm glad that you're here this morning. We've been praying for you, actually. And so thanks for being here. Look at verse 18 as we keep going. I'm hurrying because there's a lot to talk about. I feel like Ryan. Ryan, you were like, uh, Ryan, you did a great job, by the way, when you preached, brother. I felt like I was listening to a podcast on 1.5 speed, though, but it was awesome. I mean, it was great. <laughs> but, you know, you had a lot to say, and I have a lot to say, so, help, you know, I'm not, as, I'm not as good of a speaker as Ryan, but just hang with me. Look at verse 18. It's, it says this, again, we'll read it again. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. I heard someone once say that to be effective, you need authority and you need power, that both are important. And so I was kind of thinking about this and what, whether that's true or not, whatever. We know that Jesus has all power, right? He has all power. In, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And you know who that creating agent was it was Jesus Jesus created all things all things were made by him and for him he definitely has the power and here he reminds us that he has the authority why are those both important I was thinking a couple years back if you think about uh, all the riots that were happening in the United States and uh, people were upset about some things and so they were vandalizing and starting fires and and stealing from stores and all this kind of stuff and what was amazing, wasn't it, while we were watching these things happen, mostly in big cities, is we were watching that there would be a line of police officers standing not too far away. And that's kind of incredible. They had all the power that they needed to interact and stop what was going on. But they didn't have the authority. Because of political, the political leaders in their towns usually said, no, 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 don't do that. Just let them let them do what they're doing, right? They had all the power to stop what was going on, but they didn't have the authority. Aren't you glad that Jesus not only has the power, but he also has the authority, and he says, I'm gonna make you something that you're not right now. I, all authority has been given to me in, in heaven and on earth. And here's, here's where we're getting to. At the beginning of Matthew, you can turn back to Matthew chapter 4, if you'd like, or it's going to be up on the screen. But he's calling his disciples. This is at the very beginning of his ministry. Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 18. And as he, that's Jesus, was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the sea. Why were they doing that? Well, because they were fishermen, right? Duh, okay. It makes sense now. And verse 19, Jesus says, follow me, and I will make you 
in the King James, Roger, fishers of men, right? Or fishers uh, for people. Verse 20, immediately they left their nets and followed him. That's Simon and, and Peter. I mean, Simon and Andrew, the brothers. Then verse 21, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They were called the sons of thunder. And they were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, preparing their nets. And he called them. And immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. So three years before Matthew chapter 28, Jesus calls people, and that was an example of it, and he called those four brothers. And he says, listen, you're, you're fishing for fish, but I'm going to make you something that you're not right now. And I have the power to do that, and I have the authority to do that, and I'm going to make you something that you're not. And the fulfillment of that is right here in verse 18 and 19 and 20. Jesus came again, verse 18, Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So, hey, guys, go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. He's making them something that they were not. And sometimes you and I are like, hey, listen, listen, I mean, I got saved, and, and, uh, but I could never go to Ecuador. I could never talk to those people. I mean, I don't, I don't really talk to my own neighbor about stuff like this. You know, you don't talk about religion and politics, right? We don't talk about that stuff. But listen, Jesus says, listen, I can make you. I have the power and I have the authority to make you into what you don't think you can do. And you and I are all not suggestion, but a command to make disciples. Amen? We're excited about that. Amen, church? Amen. Okay. Twelve of you are excited about that. I'm, I like that. All right. So back in uh, Matthew 9, uh, 28, again, verse 19, there's a lot of verbs in here. I, I, won't, I don't have the time, but it just, they all, around that verb phrase, make disciples. So go, or as you're going, and as you're baptizing, as you're teaching, as you're having people observe, um, make disciples is the main one. So go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded. This is the great commandment of Jesus. He's given us other ones. Right? What's the greatest commandment, Jesus? Oh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then he reminds us to go share what we've experienced, give our testimony, and, and make disciples. Those are all so important, and they're commanded to, for us to do. So what does it mean to make disciples? What does it mean to make disciples? This is one of the key things that we're supposed to do. Um, and so what does that mean? And I, I feel like churches often have failed over the years, over my lifetime at least, we've really, really failed in making disciples. And so a lot of us now, generations come after the next generation, after the next generation, and if we haven't been taught how to make disciples, then we don't know how to make disciples. And so we're, I don't think a lot of times we're very good at it. So what, it, what does it mean to make disciples? What does it look like to make disciples? A disciple. If we're commanded in verse 19 to go and make disciples, what does that even look like? And, and, am I able to do that? Well, you might not know, and so I want to talk about it as we finish our time out this morning. What does it look like to make a disciple? 
And uh, Pastor Jeff did his dissertation, doctoral dissertation on this, and that's a really good read. You guys should pick it up and do it. But unfortunately, I'm a, more of a simplistic guy, and so I'm going to approach it a little bit differently. And I'm just going to use some of my some of my experience in the last couple years to help you understand what making a disciple is. So you got to stick stick with me, okay, church? I when I was in high school, I was in a grocery store. I did almost everything in a grocery store. I worked in a Hy-Vee uh, in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I did a lot of stuff, and uh, and I thought I knew all about grocery stores. But now, uh, years later, I haven't done a lot in grocery stores. And then Jolene got pretty sick a couple years ago. And so I became the guy that went, you know, I would, he would, she would hand me a list and I would go to the store. Now the problem with that is, is because sometimes I feel like they set things up so you don't know where things are nowadays, right? She drank this stuff called Bi, B-A-I, this Bi drink. Well, it wasn't with the pop. It wasn't with the water. It wasn't with the juices. It was somewhere else. So like, I'm in, I remember I was, I'm in Walmart and I'm like, can you, I'm looking for this stuff called buy. And he's like, oh, that's an aisle nine or whatever it was. Oh, thanks. That's awesome. That really helps. Because now, instead of having to check, you know, 23 aisles, I'm down to one aisle with about, you know, 8,000 products in it. So thank you very much for helping me out there. And, um, you know, but anyway, so you finally find what you're looking for. And that's never comfortable. Guys, it's not comfortable going to the store. Are you with me? So I want to. I want to tell you like the other side of that because here's what happens when I go to Lowe's and I have a bolt and it's a it's a nice three and a half inch bolt but I need I need one that's four and a half inches long and so I go and it's, it's the same thing you turn the corner and there's I mean there's thousands and thousands of different bolts and screws and all kinds of stuff there, right, and there, some are coarse thread and fine thread and galvanized and stainless steel. They're made out of all kinds of things, and they're different lengths, and they're all different sizes and different kind of heads on them. And I'm like, wow, there's so much here. And I'm standing there, and this guy, then Fred comes up, and Fred goes, can I help you? And I'm like, yes, Fred, I'm looking for one just like this, but a little, you know, an inch longer. And he goes, well, let's do it. And he puts it in a gauge. And he's like, okay, this is this size. And he's like, okay, it's, you, you want it made out of stainless? Yeah. And so he gets me, you know, and, and like we're talking about how awesome the Chiefs are going to do this afternoon and how they're going to dominate. And, you know, we're not so sure about Brock Purdy and those guys. And, but anyway, I mean, I think the Chiefs are going to do good. I'm not even going to look over there. Okay, so, and we're talking about the weather and man, I, I want to give Fred like a man hug. You know what I mean? Like this guy is helping me out and he doesn't leave me till I have exactly what I wanted. You see the difference? So often, church, we're called to make disciples. But new people come into our church or a new believer comes to Christ. And then we're just like, yeah, just... Just start doing this stuff. And we point them to something. But the problem is, they don't know the terminology, and it's scary. It's scary coming in here. Not for you and I, but for new people, it's scary. And they don't understand how we do things. And am I supposed to stand or sit? And I'm a, you know, all these things. And 
who's Isaiah? I've never heard of this guy. Like, what's sanctification? Not, not to mention, like, propitiation. I don't even know what that is. And they're confused. And we're like, oh, yeah, just start reading your Bible and do a devotion and start praying more. We just kind of point them to that. And they're like, wait a minute. I, like, okay, there's a lot of different kinds of Bible. What version, what version should I use? How long, where should I start? Leviticus? No, don't start, in, right? And so they're confused. Okay, well, how do I pray? All I know is, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray, you know, that's the only prayer I know. And they're, they're confused. Devotion? How often do I have to do that? Is there a book? You know, or what, what do I do? And all we do is, no, 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 no. Just change your radio station to something else. Don't watch R-rated movies unless they're about the crucifixion of Jesus. And things like that. And we just point them and they're confused. Are you with me? It's like aisle 13 for a guy. It's terrifying. So what we want to do as a church, kind of like what Fred did for me in Lowe's, take me by the hand. Not, not literally, because that would be weird. But I mean, you know what I mean? But he, he takes me. It's like, here, let's, let's figure this out together. So what you and I are called to do by Jesus in making disciples is to take somebody by the hand and say, hey, come on, let's do this together. I'll, I'll help you. I know it's scary. I know it's kind of, I know it's different. Let's start meeting every Thursday morning for breakfast and I'll, I'll help you through this. That's what God's called us to do. Amen? To make disciples, not just leave people Hanging out there. One of the things I loved about the team we, we were grouped up with in Ecuador is that they didn't leave people hanging when, we got, when they got saved. They had, a, they had a place for them to get plugged into. A church to go to. So it's not like, hey, we get them saved and then we wave goodbye and we jump on a plane and we take off, right? We plug them in to something so they have a chance. They have a chance to grow. And that's what God's called us to do. Listen, as, as we get to a time of invitation, and I'll have the praise team come on up, I, I just want to remind you that when God's word is declared, We've, we've been challenged this morning that we're supposed to, commanded by Jesus Christ, to make disciples. And so my question, second question that I almost forgot, Olivia, right, is this is the next question, right? It's who will you disciple? Who will you disciple? Maybe it's a family member or a friend or a co-worker or a neighbor, but who will you disciple? I want you to know this as well. As we get ready to do our invitation, I want you to think about this. If you have realized right now, like, I, I don't, man, I, there's a lot of things I could learn. I, I don't know that much. I don't really know he, who to even ask or what to do. I want you to know it's great news because right here at Wyatt Park, we have a Sunday school class for you that's designed for you that will help you at the very beginning stages and so if you come at 9 o'clock on Sundays, uh, Pastor Jeff or I can plug you into this class and get you started at the bottom. Like everybody in there, 
will be at the same place you're at. You can ask any question you want and uh, no judgment or anything like that. It'll, it'll be great. And I also, for some of us, maybe we're sitting there and that question that was just popped up there, who will I disciple? Maybe we've realized, you know, I'm not discipling anybody. So would you spend this time while, while they're playing a, a song and, and leading us in worship, would you think about, like, who can I disciple? And ask God to help you. Pray. Pray to the Lord and say, please send somebody into my mind so I can go talk to them about discipling. And then, and then lastly, there might be a group in here, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of us, a lot of us are followers and so we're commanded to make disciples, so pray about who you can do that with. But some of us are doubters in here. And I imagine in a group this big, there's probably some of us who are doubting. And, and, uh, and we're, you know, we've heard about Jesus, and that's why we're here, but you've never really given, your, given him your life, cried out to him for forgiveness and trust in him. I just want you to know that this would be an opportunity for you to do that. Like Olivia mentioned, the, the water filter. We were the very first team to get to go with water filters to this Amazon village. And they were just wowed at seeing this. We took their water, which wasn't very good water. A lot of problems with their water. And we poured dirt in it and stirred it up and took a, took a clear glass and said, hey, you want to drink this? No, 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 no. I don't want to drink that, right? And then we set up the water filter and through the water filter, we had this pure water that we could drink and they could drink, and they were amazed. And then we got to explain over the next 20, 30, 40 minutes about how Jesus can do that with us as well. Amen. Right? In the, God, God created the world and it was good. Like I could, I could take another 30 minutes, but I'll do it in about two or three. God created the world to be good. It was pure. But then we sinned against him, right? We decided to do our own thing, and we became dirty, like dirty water. And so and now that we're dirty, we've fallen short of God's standard, the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So now we're in trouble because we can't get to heaven. We can't have a relationship with him and commune with him and be forgiven if we're dirty and we don't trust in Jesus and so, if, and so a lot of times what we do is, well, listen, if I just do good things. And so I would take a, the glass of clean water and the glass of dirty water, and I'd say, what we think we will work is saying, oh, I'm a, I'm a good spouse. So you would put a little clean water in the dirty water. Uh, I treat my kids well. I'm a good neighbor. But the water's still dirty, isn't it? That, the, the balance, we never balance out enough to make it clean. But... Through this, through this tube, which is a relationship with Jesus, who is the filter, we can become clean and pure. And of course, we, again, we take a long time doing that. And then the Romans 10, 9, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we can be saved. And we just ask, any of, any of you want to be saved? And I would give that invitation to you this morning as well. You and I have sinned against the holy God, but we can be pure and clean through Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you like to do that this morning and have a relationship with him? I want to give you the opportunity. Pastor Jeff is going to be out in the Welcome Center. I'll be right down here in front. 
whatever God's calling you to do this, at this time, would you do it? God, would you continue to move? Thank you so much for what you do, not only in Ecuador, but what you do right here. And help us, to Father, Father, to be obedient and faithful followers of you and disciple and help other people. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm.